0: everyone and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. Um, Especially if you're visiting today and we do have two visitors Lizzie and Patrick with us uh, for the first time today. We really hope you enjoy your time with us um, and I'll just remind all of us that today everything we need to follow the service is on our printed order service only. We're not using the screen today. Um, As you know, our Minister Katrina is away this weekend, so we're very happy to welcome back our friend Graeme Meeklejohn from the Scottish Baptist College to lead our worship, and um, Graeme, I think I'll just announce that since uh, Graeme was last with us, he's been awarded his PhD, and we know how much hard work that reflects, so we just want to say congratulations Graeme on that. I hope that everyone will be able to stay and have some tea or coffee with us at the end of the service and you can quiz Graham about the topic of his PhD. Um, The new edition of the church magazine is available today. For once, we're actually handing them out, Katrina and I, young (coughs) Katrina that is, as opposed to Minister Katrina. um, We're handing them out to make sure that every household gets one, just because it's got all the kind of unusual changes around Christmas and New Year services. So to make sure we all know what's going on for the next couple of months, we're gonna make sure every household gets one. So basically, um, catch Katrina or myself at the end of the service and demand a copy. Then at 7pm this evening our evening service will be in Wellington Church and the service will be led by Adele Houston. Then just note that this Tuesday evening at 6pm in Glasgow University Chapel there will be the annual service for the survivors of gender-based violence and for those who support them. The service will be led by the Reverend Cathy Galloway and the Reverend Liz Johnson Blythe and it will mark the beginning of the 16 Days of Action Against Gender-Based Violence, which is the annual international campaign supported by the United Nations. So whether you yourself are a survivor or you simply want to stand with those who are, you are very welcome to attend the service at 6pm this Tuesday in the University Chapel. Next Sunday at 11am, Katrina will be back here leading morning worship for the first Sunday in Advent, and during that service we will welcome Leslie and Alistair into the membership of our church. Katrina will also be leading evening worship next Sunday at 7pm in Kelvinside Hillhead Church. These are all our notices. Thank you.
1: Good morning. Good morning really good to be here with you this morning and as a, as a call to worship as a way to get our minds focused i wanted to read from the psalms from psalm 24 specifically so let's let me read from psalm 24 the earth is the lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters who may ascend the mountain of the lord who may stand in his holy place the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, the King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. And hopefully as we go through this service, you'll maybe hear the resonances of some of that psalm coming through the themes that I wish to develop this morning. But as we continue our worship, (coughs) let us sing our next hymn, which is in the uh, sheet that you'll have. Um, So let us sing. a moment to pray together and then we'll say the lord's prayer together at the end so let us take a time to pray creator god we glimpse your beauty in in the setting sun the mountaintop the eagle's wings we sense your power in thunder crash lightning flash and ocean's roar creator god we praise you precious jesus we see your love stretched out upon a cruel cross We stand in awe at your sacrifice. Your pure love poured out for humankind. Precious Jesus, we praise you. Holy Spirit, we see your power in lives transformed and hearts on fire. We listen for your still, small voice, comforting, guiding, and calling. Holy Spirit, we praise you. From the moment we awake to face the day ahead, you're with us through good times and hard times. Your presence is enough for our needs. Through the hours of the day, in our travels and work, you are with us in decisions that we must make. Your wisdom is enough for our needs. As we lay down to rest at the end of the day, you are with us as we lay our fears at your feet. Your peace is enough for our needs. Every day we will praise you and extol your name forever. Amen. And let us join together in saying the words that Jesus taught us, our Father. Who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed
2: be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as as we forgive those who trespass against us. us.
1: Good to be able to share with you and uh, spend this bit of time all together and beginning together. Now, I wonder if anyone can tell me what next week is a week today. Any ideas? I, I can hear some rum rings beginning of December, Advent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, next week is the start of Advent. <coughs> Um, which we typically think of as a time of preparation, a time of waiting um, and pre- preparing for the feast that will be Christmas. Um, I've got to say, I, I, do, I do enjoy Christmas and, and I love the preparations for it. I think I've been uh, going on at my wife and saying, can we put our tree up yet? Can we put our tree up yet? But she's American, so uh, it's typical to wait till after Thanksgiving, so I'm hoping next weekend we might get to put it up. Uh, is anyone else uh, excited for Christmas? Anyone else doing any preparations? What kind of things are people preparing for? Anyone want to say?
0: Yeah. We do a Christmas Day community lunch. Yep. Um, and my, uh, the source of my organic turkey for the past, you know, to feed about 50 people for the past 10 years has stopped doing it. So I'm having
1: to find an alternative turkey source. OK, an alternative turkey source. I wasn't expecting that, I've got to say. That, that is a great preparation to make. Any, any other preparations? Anyone got their tree up yet? No. No? Okay, just a bit too early for most. <laughs> I'm the only one. I'm worse than the kids. Uh, any any other preparations? People started yet? Anyone been to the Christmas markets? Yes. yes. I went like all, already about two weeks ago, the ones <laughs> in St. Enoch Centre. It opened really early and I was there. i
2: wouldn't let me buy churros, I was very upset. Oh no, no, no
1: churros. They, they are a good point i i weirdly had uh, noodles at the, cha- at the christmas market which is like the least christmas food i think that you can get um but it was great uh, to be at the christmas market so time of preparation time of waiting for for christmas to come later in the service i'm going to be talking about another story that jesus told about waiting and preparing and it was for a feast as well but it wasn't for christmas it was um a wedding feast and people were preparing for this wedding feast but really uh, the story is about um, the the wedding feast representing not Christ's first coming, not the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas but Christ's second coming and how we are in a time at the moment of getting (coughs) ready and preparing for Christ's second coming and so I kind of thought that it would be good today to think as we move into a time of Advent, as we move into a time of Preparing and getting ready, that, that helps us to think again that every day we're actually living in a time of getting ready and preparing, not to celebrate Christ's first coming, but being ready to be invited to the banquet that Jesus is inviting us to for his second coming. So, just a kind of uh, teasing thought there to, to uh, start with about as we move into a time of Advent and getting ready <coughs> and preparations for a feast that actually we're always in a time of getting ready and preparing for this next celebration when Christ returns. So hopefully I'll develop a bit of that later on. But as we think more about that, uh, let us sing our next song, which is One More Step Along the World I Go. Let us sing together.
3: reading this morning is from Isaiah 56 the covenant extended to all who believe thus says the Lord maintain justice and do what is right for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed happy is the mortal who does this the one who holds it fast who keeps the Sabbath not profaning it and refrains from doing any evil. Do not let the foreigner say to the Lord, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs to, who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house within these walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, (coughs) to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold it fast my, my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted at my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. Our second reading is, Who is the greatest? And this is from Matthew 18. At that time, Jesus came to sorry at that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, "Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children." you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives such a child in my arms receives me. But whoever causes one of those little ones to believe in me, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened round his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Amen.
1: Well it's good to be here with you this, this morning. Um, I always enjoy coming to Hillhead. It feels like being amongst friends and that's really valuable as a visiting speaker <coughs> to have that feeling. I, I was reflecting a little bit about, upon speaking a couple of weeks ago at my own church and the, the topic that I'd been given was hospitality and exclusion and within that uh, time I was thinking about some groups that are marginalized from church or commonly marginalized from church and you can imagine that it's a sensitive topic and in some way a a controversial topic at times Um, and so it was good to be amongst friends to to tackle that, that topic. It gives you the grace to fill the space of any ambiguities or any ongoing reflections. They know where you're coming from, they know something about yourself and so to feel amongst friends this morning Um, is good to to hopefully get some of that grace as well. I think the more that I I speak, the more that I share, the more that I realise that I'm not sure that I'm here to give you uh, an incisive word of wisdom um, that's going to cut through everything else that's going on in your lives or to give you a word that's going to inspire you to become world changers. I sometimes feel that if a speaker comes with that sort of attitude, they perhaps have something of a saviour complex. I think... Rather, I'm here to, well, in the baseline, not to mislead you, not to put any stumbling blocks in your way, to hope that the words that I speak point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hope that the time that we spend together this morning helps us to personally engage with Christ himself. That is what the hope is for this morning. And I hope that as I go through some ideas, some thoughts this morning, that we do come to have a sense of really engaging with God. I hope this morning to develop a theme through various passages in Matthew's Gospel Um, and I'm not going to go into any of the passages in any great depth. I hope that reading them alongside one another will be interesting to see the juxtaposition that they bring Um, and then I hope to engage with that passage from Isaiah to show that it's not just a theme from Matthew's Gospel but I think a theme of the whole Bible story. And so hopefully that'll help us to come to a place of engagement with God. The first passage that I want to think about is the passage that we read from Matthew 18. Um, And perhaps you can hear already some of the resonances in that passage of my reflections on speaking. I find it hard enough to drag my body around a football field every Saturday morning, never mind having a millstone around my neck and having to do that as well. And so the baseline is not to put in any stumbling blocks. Uh, But this passage has um, at least two observations, two things that I want to draw on today. One is about a matter of language and, and one is really a question That it raises in my mind. The the observation on the matter of language um, is that I find it interesting what Matthew does in this passage. He starts off by talking about um, a a child, uh, the the little children, and then he moves into talking about childlike faith and so starts to develop something of almost uh, metaphorical language, childlike faith. And then he uses this phrase about the little ones, um, and most commentators uh, are agreed that this phrase, the little ones, isn't anymore really referring to children, but is referring to disciples, those who are following Christ. And so Matthew is saying about anyone who stops a disciple, anyone who stops someone from following Christ, putting an obstacle in the way or a stumbling block in the way is to have the milestone Hung around the neck. It's not quite just a flat reading that Matthew is only talking about children here, but is talking about this wider sense of those who want to follow Christ. And so I think as we read Matthew, we can see that he develops this kind of metaphor of children or little ones as actually meaning disciples or followers of Christ. And I hope to look round to that at the end. But the second observation that I have from this passage as I say is a question and I think really it's a a two-part question for me in in some ways. Uh, The first question is what are some stumbling blocks or what are some obstacles or barriers that I or the church in in general sometimes put in the way uh, of people coming to follow Christ Um, and, and how do we deal with that? I'm not going to totally answer that question this morning but that's that's the question that's in my mind and the, and the second part to that question then also comes well if we're to have this sense of radical welcome that we're to remove all barriers how do we not stop Christianity being kind of a free for all and, and, and anything goes type of uh, religion where it doesn't matter um, what you do because we've got this sense of radical welcome how do we keep some kind of definition of saying, this is what it is to follow Christ? And to me, these questions are kind of in tension. How do we have this radical welcome? But how do we not slip into an anything goes free for all? And I think that this tension, these questions, are probably at the heart of a lot of our discussion and debates within the church. We want to be radically open and radically welcoming, but at the same time, we also want to say, but this is what it is to follow Christ. So how do we deal with this tension? So that's the the kind of tension that I'm dealing with this morning. That's the the, the question that I want to look at. Well, the second passage in Matthew comes from Matthew 25. And it's the passage that I referred to in our starting together time. Um, Jesus tells the parable, of 10 virgins or 10 maidens, depending on your translation. And actually, I don't think that definition, uh, at least for today, really matters. So I'm going to say 10 people that were waiting for for a wedding feast. And they were waiting for the groom to arrive so that the party can get started. And five of them have prepared well, And five of them haven't prepared well the five that have prepared well have got all the oil that they need to keep their torches burning and the five that haven't prepared well haven't got enough oil and while they're waiting their torches go out and they say we're going to have to go and find more oil for our torches and inevitably i guess sod's law when they go away to find the oil the groom arrives and the party gets started and the five that are well prepared are in having the party they start the wedding feast And then the five who turn up later, having found more oil, come to the wedding feast and they find a barrier in the way. They find a closed door and they knock on the door and they hear what I think are probably some of the most sobering words in the whole of the New Testament. The words are, I don't know you. You're not getting in. You're not on the list. I don't know you. And so they're shut out. They find this barrier in in the way. And so we have this kind of tension in these two passages, I think. The first one gives us a real harrowing warning of a millstone being hung around our neck if we put in any obstacles in the way of those who are wanting to follow Christ. And yet this passage, uh, this next passage seems to suggest these sobering words that some people will find a closed door and hear the words, I don't know you. And to me, there's a bit of a tension here. And if you think that those words that I don't know you are a kind of isolated incident or a minority report, then all we have to do is turn to Matthew 7. And in Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about, uh, well, he says, these are the words of Christ. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And at the end of the section, he says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So it's not just an isolated incident, and I think this passage in Matthew seven, in some ways, confuses the issue a little bit more, but also starts to bring us to a resolution of this tension that we find in in this verse in Matthew seven. People have to say, not everyone will enter the kingdom of God. People come up to Jesus and say, but look, we've we've healed in your name, we've driven out demons in your name. We've prophesied in your name and yet Jesus still turns to them and says, I don't know you, away from me. And I think this confuses this because you you think, well surely these people were following Jesus, they were doing things in Jesus' name and yet it doesn't seem to be enough for them to be doing these things to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think it's here that Jesus gives us a bit of an insight of how we can resolve this tension. He says, only those who do the will of my father will enter the kingdom of heaven. And perhaps your initial reaction is, well, surely healing people in Jesus' name and prophesying in Jesus' name and driving out demons in Jesus' name, surely these are the things that are the will of, our, of his father. But I think sometimes activity Or at least our idea of what we think we should be doing supplants what actually is God's will. That we take it on ourselves to decide what God's will is rather than actually trying to figure, trying to know what God's will is. I think the only way that we can know the will of the Father is if we're reconciled to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. In some ways, we can only discern the mind of Christ if we're part of the body. Of Christ. To do the things of God means that we need to be connected to God. Not just do the things that we think we should be doing, or not just fill our lives with activity that seems good, but to actually establish a connection with God. And I think this is, what, this is how we resolve some of this tension, that the, the people that have heard the words, I don't know you, away from me, are the ones who don't have this connection with God that don't find themselves in the body of Christ. And yet we shouldn't be putting a stumbling block, an obstacle, in the way for people finding their way into the body of Christ. We shouldn't be adding anything extra that we think is important, that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, but we shouldn't be putting any barrier in the way for those who are coming into the body of Christ. And so I think we start to see the resolution to this tension by by basing ourselves in being connected to God. And I think this is where our passage in Isaiah 56 becomes really interesting. The passage in Isaiah 56 is really referring to laws that were found in Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, um, we're told that foreigners and eunuchs weren't allowed to be part of the nation of Israel that they weren't allowed to be part of God's holy people, that they were shut out, kept on the outside. They weren't allowed into the holy temple. And so that's what Deuteronomy says. But here in, in Isaiah 56, we start to hear something of God's heart. He says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who so choose what pleases me, who hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughter sons and daughters. And he says unto foreigners who bind themselves to Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, those I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. And we have this almost flip from Deuteronomy to Isaiah to saying it's about those who hold fast to my covenant, and bind themselves to me, they will find a place in my holy spaces, on my holy mountain, in my temple. And so where Deuteronomy was keeping them on the outside, Isaiah now says, no, it's those who have a connection to God, who bind themselves to God, those are the ones that will find spaces, places within my holy places in Israel. And so it seems to be, again, that it's not just a theme of Matthew, but this is a biblical theme that it's less about who you are or what you've done, but it's about having a connection to God. Being found in the body of Christ, that connection to who God is, that's what matters when it comes to entering God's holy places or entering God's kingdom. In a final passage in Matthew 19. We find quite an interesting juxtaposition of ideas. Jesus is talking about divorce and right at the end of this section on divorce, Jesus has these words. He says, Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. The one who can accept this should accept it. And I think it's interesting in light of what we've heard in Isaiah to find this passage kind of nestled away in Matthew 19. And I think actually these verses in Matthew 19 are quite pivotal for our understanding of this area of the gospel. Because it seems to indicate that people are, can be born a certain way. It seems that some people can be shaped and formed in a certain way by the society or the culture around them. And some people can choose to live a certain way. And yet, it doesn't seem to matter when Jesus is talking about, being, about entering the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is, it's about the connection to God that matters. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've chosen Or what you do. It's about how you are connected to God. It's about our being reconciled to the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit that really matters. And I think this starts, as I say, to resolve this tension between finding a barrier and putting obstacles in the way that if we rooted in people being connected to God, then we shouldn't put any barriers or obstacles in the way of those who are genuinely seeking to be part of the body of Christ. But for those who are disconnected from God, they might think they're doing the right things. They might be doing good things. But if they're not connected to God, we run the risk of hearing the words, I don't know you, away from me. I can't help but thinking that the writer of Matthew, in Matthew 19, he's just said this about eunuchs and about divorce, and he moves into another section, which is about little children again. He says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on and them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went from there. I can't help but think that the writer of Matthew is implicitly using this metaphor again about children and disciples, genuine followers of Christ, and the disciples kept them away, and Jesus said, no, let them come to me. Having just spoken about eunuchs, And about knowing the background in Deuteronomy and Isaiah and now into the New Testament. And Jesus says, no, let them come to me. I can't help but think that this was Jesus once again saying, no, let those who are genuinely wanting to follow me, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, come to me. Be part of the body of Christ. And of course, if we look on into the story of the Bible, we get to Acts and recognise that one of the first converts to Christianity post-Pentecost was an Ethiopian eunuch, both a foreigner and a eunuch, the exact categories that both Deuteronomy had kept out, but from the time of Isaiah had been welcomed in. And again, I can't help but thinking that is significant for us, combined with this idea in Matthew 19 that some choose it, some are born that way and some are made that way, that Jesus is actually saying, That doesn't matter. What matters is that we're connected to God. Now I haven't worked out what all the implications of this means in practice because I think it's quite a challenging word and I know there are some things still to be wrestled with about how we both welcome people in but also say this is what it looks like to follow Christ. But as we move into the time of Advent and as I thought about in our starting together, we use Advent to celebrate the first coming of Christ, and we do so usually by having a feast, by having some kind of celebration. But I think we need to keep in mind that we have this coming feast, this eschatological banquet, this banquet that Christ has invited us all to at the end of time, at the fulfilment of the kingdom, that everyone is invited to. I think we need to remember that we are in a time preparing for that, that we do have to invite people to that banquet, not put any obstacles in the way and I think as we move through Advent we should use the time to consider what that looks like, how we are preparing well, how are we getting ready for that, how are we welcoming people into a time where we're getting ready for this banquet. As I say that's quite challenging, there's lots still to be worked out in light of what I'm saying this morning but I hope reading these passages together has given almost a whistle-stop tour through some of what Matthew says but linking it to this wider theme and I hope that we'll be able to take that on board this week reflect on it think about it think about this tension of welcoming people in but also defining what it is to be connected to God. Let's take time to reflect on that as we sing a hymn of response.
4: Let us join together now. Praise for others, and then now praise for each other. Let us pray. The Lord is loving. The Lord is kind. The Lord is good to all His people. Heavenly Father, God of the little people, we bring into Your care the most vulnerable in our society. We pray for those who have been forgotten by our society left behind by the economic advantages that most of us enjoy. We bring into your care those struggling with the effects of ad- addiction or the consequences of serious or chronic physical or mental ill health. We pray that you will use us to show them your love and your grace and grant them the peace of Christ. Heavenly Father, God of the little people, we bring into your care the most vulnerable in our global communities. We pray for those who are suffering from the consequences of environmental disasters, often brought about by climate changes. We pray for those who are suffering, often as innocent bystanders, from the consequences of armed conflict, corrupt governments, dictatorships. We bring to you those forced to abandon their homes and their families, to seek refuge and safety, which is often denied them. We pray that you use us to show them your love and your grace and grant them the peace of Christ. Heavenly Father, God of all ages, We bring into your care all those within our own worshiping church community we pray for our young people that they might be nurtured and grow within the love of our church community we pray for our older people with the challenges and frustrations of the aging process and heavenly father we bring to you everyone in our church community young old and all ages each with their own concerns known only to you. We pray that you will use us to share with each other your love, your grace, and grant us the peace of Christ. And from our own church community, we are asked to specifically remember today from our prayer diary, Fiona and Donnie, Barbara and Ken. We pray for your blessings on them and all within our worshiping community. Heavenly Father, God of everyone, we bring to you your creation, and forgive us for failing as custodians of your gifts. God of everyone, we bring to you today St. Andrew's Baptist Church, giving thanks for the church fellowship there and the new pastor, Abi Ungunga. We pray that they will be a beacon of light in their local community and for their ministry amongst the student population of St. Andrews. Heavenly Father, God of everyone, we bring to you your world and all its people, giving thanks that you love and your grace are here for everyone, granting us the peace of Christ through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord is loving, the Lord is kind, the Lord is good to all his people. Amen.
1: us pray together. God of all blessings, source of all life, giver of all graces, we bring our gifts to you. We thank you for the gift of life, for the breath that sustains life, for the food of this earth that nurtures life, for the love of family and friends without which there would be no life. We thank you for the mystery of creation, for the beauty that the eye can see, for the complex ecosystem in which we are all interrelated, for the expanse of space that draws us beyond the definitions of ourselves. We thank you for setting us in communities, for families who nurture our becoming, for friends who love us by choice, for companions at work who share our burdens and daily tasks, for strangers who welcome us into their midst, for, children, for people from other lands who call us to grow in understanding for children who offer us hope for the future. We thank you for this day, for life and one more day to love, for your grace and one more experience of your presence, for your promise to be with us, to be our God, and to give us salvation. For these and all blessings, we give you thanks. Amen. Let us sing our closing hymn when I receive the peace. together in a song amen i want to read a few words from ephesians chapter 3 it's a prayer for the ephesians but i think it's equally applicable for us today for this reason i kneel before the father from whom every father and on heaven and on earth derives its name i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith Amen. <f cliche>